At the uh, beginning of Mass, you heard that we are celebrating uh, a special month of prayer for, for the missions, an extraordinary month of prayer for the missions. And because of that, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the mission activity of the church before I begin a reflection on our scripture readings. When I was a, a young seminarian, the Capuchin order that I belonged to opened up a mission in Papua New Guinea. Those of you who know something about geography know that's down by Australia, about as far away as you can go from the United States. And there was a great deal of enthusiasm on the part of the seminarians to become missionaries. Because back in those days, we thought of missionary activity as only applying to going to the foreign missions. You know, giving your life uh, to preach the gospel to people who had never heard about it. And the missionaries back in those days, because we didn't have the same kind of transportation opportunities we have today, uh, would go to the missions, leave their family behind, and not come back home for five or 10 years. So it was seen as a great sacrifice, not only uh, for the, the missionary, but for his family. Uh, I don't think there is that kind of missionary enthusiasm in the church today. And that's one of the reasons why our Holy Father, Pope Francis, wanted to establish these special days of prayer for missions so that we will reflect on that and become enthusiastic about it in our lives for ourselves and for our children. You know, there's plenty of missionary activity in the United States. 50 years ago, we didn't think that was the case. We thought this was a Christian country. And because of that, all our activity when it comes to missions was directed at places where the gospel had not yet been preached. Things have changed. We have a lot of needs for missionaries in our country today. But there is a special vocation in the church for perhaps what we could call foreign missionaries. People are willing to leave our culture behind in order to bring the gift of Jesus and his gospel to those who have not heard about Jesus. So those of you who are young enough to consider that as a possibility for yourself, should ask, is the Lord calling me to be a missionary in that sense? And we also should encourage our families uh, to think about the missionaries and pray for them. They have a difficult life and a lonely life, especially in places, for example, where Christianity is a very small minority, where there might be conflicts between Christians and Muslims. Uh, it can be a dangerous life being a missionary. So we ought to have them on our, in our minds and in our hearts and in our prayers and we might consider a missionary vocation for ourselves. And of course, we have organizations in the church that raise money for missionaries. You know, they don't have the opportunity to support themselves, and they depend very much on people like you and I to provide them with the kind of financial means they need to get where they're going in the first place, but also when they're there to build schools and to build clinics for healthcare and to provide opportunities for preaching in the missions. So. That's what uh, these days of prayer for the missions are about. And we have this huge rosary here in the, in, on the um, altar rail that we're gonna bless at the end of mass um, because uh, people are praying the rosary um, every day after the noon mass in our side chapel here for the missions and for missionaries. So please keep that in mind. Okay. 
So let's turn now to today's uh, scripture readings. The theme uh, for today's uh, Mass, if you look at the readings, the reason they were selected was to lead us to reflect about the, the virtue of faith, to ask ourselves what is faith, and then to talk about how we might increase our faith. So let's look at today's first reading from the Old Testament to get introduced into this notion of what faith might be. The reading is from the book of Habakkuk. You know, many, many families name their sons after the prophets of the Old Testament, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah. But in all my years as a priest, I've never met someone named Habakkuk. But he was a prophet in the Old Testament times, in the sixth year, sixth century rather, before Jesus. And he was sent to preach to the Jewish people at a difficult, difficult time in their lives when they were tempted to lose faith because they were being persecuted by neighboring uh, governments. And into their lives, God sent the prophet Habakkuk to speak his word. So God is sending the prophet Habakkuk into your life and my life this evening in a different context, maybe in a different way, but nonetheless with the same message. So let's listen once again to this reading and ask ourselves, what is God asking of me? Uh, the reading begins by Habakkuk representing the people of Israel and they're complaining to God, very much like you and I complain to God when things aren't going well in our lives, okay? And this is what uh, they were saying. How long, Lord, I cry for help, but you do not listen. Have you ever had that feeling when it comes to your own prayer and your anxiety and concerns about what's going on in your life? As I mentioned, they were experiencing persecution from their neighbors, neighboring governments. And so he went on to say, I cry out to you violence. There was violence taking place in the community. But you do not intervene. I mean, there's all these things that are happening and you don't do anything about it. So that's the mood of the people. And perhaps our mood as we look at our lives. But then God speaks directly to them and this is what he says. Then the Lord answered me and said, write down the vision clearly upon the tablets so that one can read it readily. For the vision still has its time and will not disappoint. If it delays, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not be late. The rash one has no integrity, but the just one, because of his faith, shall live. And what God is saying to the Jews and what God would be saying to us if we have those same kind of experiences in our life is that it's important for us to, to be women and men who have genuine faith, which is a trusting attitude to God no matter what's going on in our lives. In personal disappointment, disaster, 
You know, it can be a divorce in our lives, a loss of a job, disappointment in a relationship, um, all kinds of experiences that we have of failure. And God wants us to, to know that in those moments, He is still with us, caring for us and, and, and loving us. And faith is confidence in God, even in those difficult times. So are you a woman of faith? Are you a man of faith? Do you trust God in all the circumstances of your life? And Habakkuk says, the just one, because of his faith, shall live. You know, so Christian life is, a, is, a, is more than anything else a matter of faith. So with that reading in mind, we go to today's gospel where Jesus talks more specifically about Christian faith. It begins with, with the apostles of Jesus, his closest disciples, asking him something. It begins by saying, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, for us to understand why they asked that question, we have to look at today's scripture and a little bit ahead of where this reading begins. Jesus is giving him instructions on how to be a disciple. And one of the things he tells him in answer to their question about how many times must I forgive my brother when he sins, Jesus says in response to that, well, you must forgive your brother seven times. Now, when we experience people hurting us, we can understand forgiving them one time or twice but seven times, and for the Jews, the number seven was a, was a s symbolic number that meant without exception, that Jesus' disciples forgive their brothers when they sin against them without exception. And when the apostles heard this, they must have said to themselves, well, this is unbelievable. This doesn't seem possible. Increase our faith. So in order to be a disciple of Jesus and to do the extraordinary things that he wants you and I to do requires a whole lot of faith. And Jesus goes on to use an image. He says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mulberry tree, and mulberry trees were trees with a deep and massive root system, You'll say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, you know, Jesus often preached using hyperbole, which is exaggerated language. I don't think there's ever been a time, actually, when Christians who are believers have said to a mulberry tree, be uprooted and cast into the sea, and it was done. I mean, Jesus isn't talking about that. What Jesus is telling us by using that extraordinary language is that even the smallest amount of faith, you know, mustard seeds are like poppy seeds. You know, they're just tiny little things that have no weight. That you blow them and they blow away. Jesus is telling us if we have that amount of faith, the tiniest amount of faith, miraculous things can happen in our lives. 
Now, do you believe that to be true? How do we increase our faith? How do we increase our trust in God? To believe that he'll care for us even in the difficult moments of our lives. Well, I have three suggestions. They're kind of going back to the basics, things you've heard a hundred times before, but they really work. The first thing that we can do to increase our faith is to become women and men who pray. And when I say pray, I don't mean say our prayers, although that's important to do. But to, to pray means to spend time in the presence of God, in a relationship with God. And how can we trust God with our lives if we don't know him and if we don't spend time in that relationship? How do you come to trust your wife or your husband, you know, the person you married? Well, it's, hopefully it's because you spent time with them and came came to, to know that they would care for you and love you, and that spending time together is what gave you the confidence to make your commitment to marriage. I mean, there's no way we're going to have confidence in God unless we spend time with God in prayer. And do you understand what I mean when I say praying is not the same thing as saying prayers? Saying prayers can help us to pray, but prayer is, a, is the expression of a real relationship with God. Sometimes it can be silent, as you can have a real relationship with your child by just being with your child in silence. Well, God can have a real relationship with us if we just let God love us in silence. Sometimes it's, we, we say words, sometimes we do it together at mass, but to be people who focus on God and his reality in our life is the beginning of our faith. So the first thing that's necessary is prayer. The second thing that's necessary, if we're going to become women and men of faith, is that we read the scriptures, which are God's word to us. You know, every time someone goes to that pulpit and reads a passage from the Bible, they conclude by saying, this is the word of the Lord, and we say, thanks be to God. And do we mean it? I mean, do we believe it's the word of God, or do we believe it's just the musings of someone who wrote, a wise person who wrote many years ago. That's not what the Catholic Church believes. The Catholic Church believes the Bible is truly the Word of God. It's God's self-revelation. It's more about God than it's about us. You know, God is constantly in the Bible telling us about his desire to love us and how he wants us to be part of his life and gives us the tools to understand that and to respond. So we need to listen to the scriptures, not just in church, but in our homes. Uh, You know, the Protestants often accuse us of not taking the scriptures seriously because we don't read it. And I think they're right. We don't take the word of God seriously. But one of the quickest ways to grow in faith is to become someone who reads the scripture on a daily basis. And the third thing I would suggest to you if you wanna be a person of stronger faith is that you practice it. You know, I've always wanted to play a piano. You know, if, am I, if I'm anxious and nervous, I would think it would be just wonderful to go into a big room with a big piano and sit there and pound the keys and make beautiful music. I would just love to be able to do that, but I don't want to practice. 
And because I don't want to practice, I'll never be a pianist. I'll never be a pianist. Because you can't do that unless you practice. Well, the same thing is true about faith. If you don't practice trusting God, you won't come to trust God. And, and the way we do this is simple. Like, for example, if um, I had plans, let's say, let me try to think of an example that would apply maybe to all of us. Let's say I, I met somebody who I think would be a really neat friend. And, um, but I never actually end up inviting the friend to visit or to go to lunch together, have a cup of coffee together. Um, there won't be any friendship that develops. You have to practice friendship in order for a friendship to happen. And the same thing is true in our relationship with God. We have to, we have to make acts of faith, believing that he's really part of our life and he cares what happens to us and he'll protect us whenever we have difficulties. You know, for, if you have financial problems, it's important for you to work at overcoming them by being wise and prudent, but it's also important for you to make an act of trust in God that he'll see you through the difficult moment to something better. And I must say that in my own life, my trust in God has grown through the years because I've practiced trusting God. And I know that he's faithful because I think about it, and in thinking about it, I give God the opportunity to demonstrate to me that he really is faithful like he says he is. So we, instead of despairing and complaining, we ought to learn to be women and men who make daily and hourly acts of faith. Unfortunately, for many of us, Christian life is not a life of faith. And Jesus acknowledges that later in today's gospel reading. It's an interesting image that he uses about our relationship with God. Because Jesus is telling us, instead of being women and men of faith, we tend to use God for our purposes. Instead of being God's servants, we want God to be our servant. Instead of wanting to be disciples, we, we want God to do what we want him to do. And that may be why you're here at Mass this evening. I mean, are you at Mass this evening to learn to be a disciple of Jesus, or are you at Mass this evening to get something? You know, that if you come to Mass, God owes you something, and therefore you come to Mass in order to get something from God. Listen to what Jesus says about that. He says, who among you, you know, Jesus is great about using our human experiences to teach us lessons. Who among you would say to your servant, now, we don't have servants today, but we ought to think about what that image is. Who had just come in from plowing or tending the sheep in the fields. Well, welcome. Welcome back to the, to the farm. Come here. Sit down. Take your place at table. Now, really generous people might do that, but when someone's working for you, you don't think you owe them something. You know, you owe them the, the pay, of course. But you, just because you're paying them something doesn't mean you owe them something. Okay. Jesus is going to say, would he not rather say to him, pre 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 prepare something for me to eat. Put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink. You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he grateful to that servant because he did what he was commanded? 
And what Jesus is saying, should God be grateful to you and to me because we do what is expected of us as disciples of Jesus? Does God owe us anything? No, God doesn't owe us a thing. We, go, we owe God everything. God is not our servant. We are his servants. When you have done all that you have commanded to do, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were obliged to do. So is that our attitude? Which is the attitude of faith? That God is God. We're his creatures. We're his servants. We trust in him. We want to follow Jesus. We want to be Jesus' disciples. God doesn't owe us anything. All we can do is become good servants. And if we do that, actually, we enter into this relationship of trust in God because God will take care of us, not because he owes us something, but because he loves us, which is much better than owing us something. God loves us. And faith is living in that awareness and having confidence in God because of his love. Now, I'd like to close with just a few words from the second reading from the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy because these are encouraging words. These are the things that St. Paul encourages us as we celebrate Mass together tonight. He says, Beloved, I remind you to stir into flame the gift of God that you have. You know, we get together on Sunday to stir into flame the gift of faith that God has given us, to be once again enthusiastic disciples of Jesus and servants of God. He goes on to say, guard this rich trust with the help of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. You know, it's important for us to guard the gift of faith because we can lose it by being distracted and worldly and concerned about ourselves rather than trusting in God. And then our lives are lost. We enter, we enter a path without God being part of our lives. May God bring to completion the good things he stirs up in our hearts tonight.